Yes, what is going on everybody? Welcome back to the Rubber Muscle Podcast. Welcome to the March live Q&A edition up on YouTube. I am also live on the Rugby Muscle Athletes Facebook page, which you, if you are not a member of, you can join by clicking the link in the description of the podcast or the YouTube video, however which way you are consuming this podcast. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you so much for joining. I am TJ. I'm the guy behind Rugby Muscle. I am a strength and conditioning specialist and certified nutritionist who works with uh, mostly amateur rugby athletes and has been specializing in in that specific population for nearly a bloody decade at this point. It is, it is pretty much a decade I've been working with uh, amateur rugby athletes. And so we do these... Well, so Rugby Muscle was born from that and we do these live Q&As once a month for the general public. We do them once a month for members only as well. And... The idea here is that we can get into nuances um, for your particular circumstance. We can get into um, specific, you know, questions that apply to you and your situation, but we can also get into specific uh, deeper questions, I guess, like get into deeper answers of uh, simplistic questions and run through different scenarios. I like doing these because they really can help you with whatever you're specifically struggling with rather than giving just general answers, um, particularly when we've, you know, with the questions that we're getting in. Um, so let's actually, before I get into the questions, um, give the video a thumbs up. If you're watching on the live feed, as always, uh, if you ask a question um, in the comments, you'll get that answered here on the live Q&A. If you are watching this past, you know, or in the future, if you're watching me in the past from the future, you will be uh, confused at how I phrase that. But you also have the opportunity to ask a question in the comments below, as I've endeavored to do this year. Every uh, comment uh, in the YouTube will be responded to. And if there is a, is a good question, I will answer it in the next live Q&A or indeed with its own video. If you were just be willing to comment and just say hi. That also does obviously help us out. And if you're listening on a podcast, five-star reviews are huge. Please, um, I, I know we've got quite a few new listeners into this podcast recently. So you guys, if you're enjoying this content, if this um, if these podcasts are helping you with your rugby strength and conditioning, with your nutrition, with your overall mindset, with what you're doing in the gym and with your life as it pertains to rugby muscle or to rugby training to training to nutrition to eating all of that stuff if i'm helping in any way five star reviews um both on spotify and on apple Podcasts. if you do it on apple podcast leave a, a type up a quick paragraph or just two sentences and tell us what you enjoy about the podcast that stuff really does help and it takes two seconds and and uh yeah that's it let's get into the questions um First question we have here is from Guillaume from Barcelona. He says, hi, Guillaume. Hi, Guillaume from Barcelona. I would like to... Did you like my Barcelona accent there? Barcelona, I would like to know about uh, so-called robustness circuits and when to perform them, how to perform them, which exercises have to incorporate in this kind of circuits. Um, 
Also, I'd like to know if you think that is correct, that it is correct to incorporate prehab or rehab exercises during rest periods. All right, I'll answer the first question first. So robustness circuits is kind of, I don't think I've used this terminology before, but it's a good way to phrase basic hypertrophy work along with a little bit of I'd say aerobic endurance because you're going to keep the tempo high when you're doing these robustness circuits. Um, and it's, it's funny. It's interesting how names are really important when you're, when you're doing this stuff, because what could have been just called hypertrophy work is now called robustness circuits. And so now you're, you're, you're framing the intention behind what you're doing a little bit differently, right? Now that it's circuits and now that it's robustness circuits, you're thinking, okay, I've got to, keep the tempo up. I've got to get through quite a lot of work and, and I'm, I'm trying to do this to really imp- like improve my, um, my, my robustness and my ability on the rugby pitch to withstand lots of collisions. Um, whether lifting weights is actually going to do that is like, it could be debated, but I do think so. And it's done, th- it's done so through hypertrophy. So basically it's just, consistent hypertrophy work so whatever you know you want to work on uh hypertrophy wise i would just combine them in a circuit with minimal rest and i would do those at the end of a session i i like i say i'm not really familiar with this terminology so i'm not you know i'm not the guy probably to ask about this but if you were to ask me how i would incorporate this with the rugby muscle method and how i how i program things i would do them at the end of a weights strength session I'd incorporate uh, probably some shoulders because, you know, getting lots of quality hypertrophy work on the shoulders is is bloody important. Maybe some arm work, um, maybe some type of uh, lower body work. But the thing is with lower body work is that it gets extra taxing. So that lower body work would probably single leg work. So you could do lunges. You could, you could even do isolation, but it's not overly important. Um, you could obviously do some isolation as far as arms go. You could also do upper body push and pull, but again, you don't want it to be heavy barbell work where it's overly systemically fatiguing because the idea here is that you just getting, getting through a lot of volume in order to elicit some hypertrophy response without, uh, pushing you too far as far as, uh, fatigue goes. So. Fatigue goes as, as, as in overall fatigue. You're going to be tired during the circuits. Um, you're going to get a bit of a, a, a heavy breathing going, but you're not going to, like as a result of the whole circuit, not as a result of each individual exercise. Each individual exercise on their own can be fairly simple, but then you combine, um, you know, three to six exercises in a circuit and all of a sudden it gets a little bit more taxing. It gets a little bit more tough and it becomes um, what I would call a robustness circuit. So there is, there is, you know, what type of exercises limitless, you know, um, really limitless. I just would avoid, um, really heavy barbell work. Um, I would avoid explosive work. Um, and that's about it. So yeah, the world is your oyster for that stuff. Um, whether you really need it, um, oh no, the last thing to, yeah, whether you really need it, goes in line of how to perform them and saying me saying that that comes at the end of some heavy strength work don't add it in for the sake of it i would add it into the end of real specific strength work but like you don't want your training to last more than an hour so be really mindful of your time doing this stuff don't 
just feel like you need to add in stuff. Do this if you really are training in a way and you want to gain muscle and you are lacking some level of volume in order to build up some hypertrophy. Second part of the question, also I'd like to know if you think that it is correct to incorporate prehab or rehab exercises during rest periods, for example, body weight strength exercise sets. Cheers. Uh, no, I wouldn't do that. Um, like, this is the thing with rest periods. You, you like, people always talk about, like, uh, a new hot thing is to stretch in your rest periods as well, right? There is no, and this is an overall mentality you need to understand with strength and conditioning in general. There is no free lunch, except maybe for zone two work. Outside of that, actually even zone two work, you've got to sacrifice time, right? So there is no free lunch. Everything is on a spectrum. So if you're doing stuff during your rest period from heavy strength work, guess what you're not doing? You're not resting. And therefore, you're going to either increase the amount of rest that you're going to need in order to you know, perform better or perform the, you know, the next set uh, adequately, or you're going to not perform the next set adequately enough. And you're going to, you know, your, your quality of work will diminish as time goes on, as more sets go on, because you're doing other stuff during your rest period. Now, I'm a big fan of incorporating like strength work with other things. So like I like doing squats mixed with some sort of uh, core work. I like doing, um, heavy lower body stuff mixed with jumps i like doing upper body stuff mixed together you know like a push and a pull but i wouldn't say that they're done during their rest periods i would just say that they're superset i love supersets i love incorporating supersets giant sets as well giant sets are just supersets but with more than one more than two exercises or alternating sets now again naming is kind of important so alternating sets are not a different from supersets because you're going back and forth between two different exercises yet you're resting between those exercises right so one one upper body example i love to do is do some heavy bench work along with some heavy rows or pull-ups right but i'm not going straight from one to the other to the other to the back and forth back and forth because that will compromise to an extent uh, the quality and the strength of the work that you can do so what i would do is i would do the push I'd wait, I'd rest 30 seconds to a minute, coincidentally, probably a little bit longer than, you know, the time it takes just to get your breath back, but, you know, systemically, but muscular-wise, you're fine to go on the row, on the pool, and then you go for the pool, and then you rest another 30 seconds to a minute, maybe up to two minutes, right, but then you go back to the bench, and you've had five minutes rest from the bench, but you also have got some other quality work in, and you're not systemically fatigued you're you're good to go right so normally you know when you're doing heavy strength work particularly with the upper body the system the overall you know your your respiratory system your um cns recovers much faster than the muscle because the muscle will will need that full three to five minutes to recover from really heavy work whereas and, and perform again whereas systemically if you're in shape you don't need that long and therefore, you can utilize that by going back and forth between different exercises. And that's how I would do that. You could also do that exact same thing with prehab or rehab, but it's not it's not done necessarily in the rest dual sets or or alternating sets. So that's how I would do it. Um, 
Hopefully that makes sense. We have a question coming in on the live feed. Uh, he said, oh, we've got two, one from the Facebook, one from the YouTube. So um, first one, I'll go for the the Facebook. Uh, it's Hamilton. What's up, mate? Um, he says, here's one. I know you're a big fan of zone two conditioning. Yes, I am. Does it help with fat burn too? Yes. Uh, would zone three or four be better? No, zone two. Zone two is the best. Again, because it's the same reason that it's really good for conditioning. Actually, it's really it's better for conditioning, but it's the same thing here. The more zone two work you do does not fatigue you to do your extra strength work, right? And your extra rugby training and all that other stuff. Zone two like allows you to be nice and, and, and relax, uh, not relaxed, but not fatigued when you're going in to do all that, all that other stuff. So you could do, theoretically hours and hours and hours of zone two work across the week and it doesn't impact your performance you cannot do the same with zone three or four in the moment zone three or four yes you're going to burn a few more calories but it's going to impact the quality of what you're doing throughout the rest of your training not I mean, actually not just throughout the rest of your training but also throughout the rest of your day right if you're doing good zone two work you're not going to be tired for the rest of the day you should be okay whereas if you're doing zone three or four you might be knackered and, and lie down and throughout the day uh expect expend spend burn more calories um doing day-to-day stuff than you would do if you were doing um zone two zone two work and you'd be fine the next you know you'd be fine within the the rest of the day and the rest of the week um also i hate exercising to burn fat that's not the way you do it it never works you get the the worst of both because you don't you can't burn fat as efficiently by exercising as you can by really focusing on your nutrition like how long does it take to burn 500 calories versus how long does it take to eat 500 calories you could eat 500 calories in less than five minutes that's as simple as it gets. So so use your training to improve your performance. Use your nutrition to alter your body composition. Quick pause for coffee. And we'll keep rattling through. Uh, Arnie on YouTube says, Hey man, it's a bit different topic. What do you think about England's number 10 choices? Oh, oh. I like to get into some rugby nerd discussions every now and again. So... I think it's tough. <laughs> um, I think Owen Farrell is clearly a ridiculously good leader for England. He's been uh, on three Lions tours at this point. He's um, got to the World Cup final. Yes, they lost that game, obviously. But he's been proven time and time again as a as a massive leader and therefore Steve Borthwick has gone for him as captain that doesn't it's tough when you pick a 10 as a captain because it's it's you know there's one there's one position on the team sheet for that and it's and they're already going to be a leader um I'm not sure how wise it is to pick a 10 as a captain in fact but obviously they've done that and I I do think Owen Farrell because of his like personality and and just greatness seems to be hated a lot by the rugby community he is an unbelievably good player if you watch even his highlights from saracens this season there are some passes there are some running lines that he takes that he puts people in space there are some kick passes that he does he is unreal now the only thing that i think or one of the things that marcus smith has against him or over uh owen farrell 
is um, his out-and-out speed and how he can play on the fly. I also still think Iron Farrell can do that, but probably not as good as Smith. I think what's happening, I've seen that um, Marcus Smith has been picked for 10 for England um, for this game coming up tomorrow um, against France. And I've seen specifically that it's done to exploit his speed. So that's obviously why he's in there. I do think at international level, you do like, although Ireland don't really change their team too much. I, I just think you you have to have the freedom and the flexibility, especially when you've got a squad as big as England, to somewhat change your lineups depending on your opposition. And I think especially with a team... Um, especially with a team like England where you've got so much depth and you've got a lot of um, squad depth, but not an out-and-out obvious, clear and obvious starting 15, that you need to tailor how you play to your opposition. I think especially when you've got the time and access that England do to their players when they're playing, um, like I think you need to change. You, you do need to go with different approaches for different teams, and I think that can help. Now, George Ford is also an X factor in there. Who, like, the thing is, what do you do? You've just got three world class tens, um, and they're all good at slightly different things in slightly different ways. I always hesitate to like name. Oh, this this player should be my starting uh, fullback, or this player should be my starting ten. Because the reality is, right, all we watch from these players is what they do for 80 minutes or so on a Saturday, once a week at most, right? The coaches, not only are they more knowledgeable on, on the game of rugby than, than all of us watching, right? They're more knowledgeable on the players themselves. They're more knowledgeable on the squads themselves. And they get to see them every day in training, right? So they're making these decisions for a reason. Um, so like whatever we're making our decisions on is like not only are we probably not as smart as these people but we're 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 certainly certainly less informed right so obviously he's Steve Warfick seen something at training and obviously Mark Smith had an amazing game last week for Quinns that he said okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my guy here and and that's what he's done now I still think Farrell is if you look at the body of work over the last say 10 years Maybe I can't. I can't think of another fly half that maybe like if you say ten to fifteen years, you can't think of a fly half that can get close to him other than Johnny Sexton. And Johnny Sexton is still the absolute boy in Ireland, and he's like so protected in in like as far as he's their guy to start ten, and they've got like no one else. Whereas at least with England, Farrell has been there, and he's like being consistently at the top level, but he's got someone who is challenging him and that's why it's tough. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Sorry. I've just taught myself in circles at that point. And, um, and that's the reality of like top level selection. It's fun to, to figure out like, or to try and think about what we're trying to do or what we would do in their position, but we're not in their position. And if we're in their position, we might have actually make different choices because of the access and in like how well they're informed because they're at, training with them day in day out and they know um like if you look at the other members of the squad like i do think like same there's an issue i do see with with marcus smith and alex dombrant and it's that if 
these players are being picked on their Harlequins form. Clearly, Test match rugby is a slight step above. And so, clearly, the space that's afforded to Alex Dombrandt and Marcus Smith in the Premiership is not the same as the space that's afforded to them in international level. And I think that that is why those two players in particular who thrive off just that little bit of extra space and time that they get in the Premiership and look amazing are not getting that international level and are not performing as well now maybe they take they're going to take some weeks and some some games to like to get more accustomed to that to that little less time that they have or maybe just their abilities are negated when it comes to that level who knows we'll find out in the next few weeks Um, but I think that's that's a big reason as to why um, those two players in particular are not quite performing international level as you'd hope for based off of their club form um yeah it's interesting it's interesting oh and the other thing is also like we judge players so much and it's worse in the southern hemisphere particularly in like new zealand australia players are so much judged on their attacking prowess but you forget that attacking is about 50 percent of the game you know, defending is the other 50%. And that is just as important, right? So if you are uh, 80% better at attacking, but 100% worse at defending, that's a trade-off that your team has to make and, and accept that they're going to be worse at defending to take that little bit better attacking edge. That comes into it as well. And that's something that not a lot of people think about. So uh, I'm going to sit firmly on the fence, not make any decisions, but also say that no one else knows either. All right. We all don't know. Another pause for coffee. And we'll go to the YouTube community tab for the next questions. Uh, Luca Bell asks, struggle to be dominant in tackles, particularly on the left shoulder. Repetition. That's repetition. Um, Remember when you're tackling on a shoulder, it's not necessarily the shoulder that's making the tackle. It's the shoulder that's making the impact. So you're always going to do... in general, you're always going to be. I'm assuming you're right-handed. You're going to be. Pref- you're going to prefer to grab things with your dominant side, and so you're just going to get more reps in that side when you tackle. Um, and therefore, like you're going to be better, and you're going to have learned the footwork pattern that it needs to to that it takes to tackle with the right shoulder more and more and more, and therefore you're going to tackle with that right shoulder better and better, but. Rally is you just need to get reps in on that left shoulder and getting low reps, getting reps in like a low intensity um, before training is a massive way of being able to um, just get some confidence in tackling with the left shoulder. But if you don't have confidence in that left shoulder, you're not just going to instinct. You want to be at the point where you're instinctively tackling uh, whichever is the best way to make that tackle whereas if you're hesitant on one side or one shoulder you're you're going to have to there's going to be a level where you think about it and then you're like oh crap I'm going to go with the other shoulder because I'm not quite confident with this shoulder and it all goes tits up what you need to be is instinctive with your skills so get 
practicing with your left shoulder so to the point where it becomes instinctive start to introduce it into training start to build up the intensity so that you're confident in it that you know that it's going to give you the same outcome the same happens for people with their passing right but you see people who they'll turn their back to the opposition to pass off their right hand so they don't have to pass off their left or they throw differently off their left it's just because they don't get in the reps um and like even to the point where particularly with passing right when people just stand in a circle people will avoid working on their left hand pass and all that means is you're just you're just avoiding the work that it takes to get better at your left hand whilst also actually getting better at your right because you're practicing more and more passes with your right so i'd work on um just strictly left shoulder tackling or left side tackling like a low intensity before training so that when it comes to training and your impact work your your tackle work that you're confident with it and you work on that you work on that and by the time you get to games and this is a long process this takes weeks if not months to get fully confident but it's the only way to do it the big emphasis here though would be on the footwork that it takes it's it's not about getting a stronger left shoulder or a stronger left side. It's about getting the footwork to cut down your opposition so that you're right on top of them by the time you're making that tackle. And then it doesn't really matter, you know, which shoulder it is. It's just about completing the work that's already done, been done by the footwork. Matt S asks, actually, let me check for the live feed comments so far. Um, if we have any more questions. Uh, well said about Marcus Smith versus Owen Farrell. I'm not sure if it was well said. Um, just the way I think about this stuff. Um, and yeah, if 10s become captains, it can kind of get to the head. I don't think it's got to Owen Farrell's head. I just think he's a great leader. Um, he's clearly still, and from what I read about Borthwick's comments, he's still leading off the field. It's just... Uh, tactically, it's not the right decision for England to make uh, ahead of this game. It's going to be very interesting to see if if Borthwick's right about that. Matt S. asks, oh, if you are watching on this live, please give it a thumbs up. It just helps it um, helps this live feed get into more people's uh, feeds and ask any more questions because we're on our last two questions uh, of our of our preloaded questions. I think I have a couple more on Instagram. I'm not sure if I'm going to get to them. I don't like questions on Instagram. Matt asks us how to balance schedule, strength training, sprint training on top of building aerobic capacity. Great question, Matt. Um, and that's essentially what we do here at Red Muscle. Is that's that's the name of the game. And and that's like if if I was to like describe the 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 real problem with particularly amateur, but all rugby specific strength and conditioning, I would say it is that question. It's balancing and schedule. And particularly when we're talking about amateur, then we're talking about the schedule as well, right? Uh, strength training, sprint training, and aerobic work. Like you've got to f- figure out how to fit all those pieces in together. And the, the difficult thing with this, as you probably uh, know by asking this question, is that you can't just do them all back to back to back and, and expect to get good results. Because if you're going to do quality speed work, especially, you need to be fresh to do those. If you're going to recover from your strength training, you need to like have some rest the next day. If you're going to build aerobic capacity, you need time. You can't just do all of this stuff and expect to get better at all of this stuff because you're just going to 
put you know push yourself into the ground uh with a huge amount of fatigue so we don't do that we don't do that at all here at Muscle. we 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 firstly we figure out our priorities um so i think we've we've done videos on this before but let me give you the cliff notes first and foremost you've got to figure out your schedule right that's the most important thing right if you don't have your schedule at hand it like then you like what are we doing here we, we we're just talking theoretics so you have to figure out your personal schedule for your week that's that's absolutely vital if you're going to do this stuff right once you figure out your schedule so when how many times you can train a week okay now we've now we're going to look into our priorities right um what is your number one thing that you need to do make sure that gets scheduled in so is it that you are like if like so many rugby players are already um definitely at least strong enough of course we can always be stronger but they're strong enough but where they lack is their their aerobic capacity their fitness their ability to perform for 80 minutes and so many rugby players could do with you know a period of at least a couple months where strength isn't the priority it's still done once a week maybe twice a week but the priority becomes and actually twice a week you can still make huge improvements but the priority becomes your aerobic capacity your aerobic work then that goes in first and then you figure out okay i'm going to get my um sprint i mean my weight weight training on top of that and then we're looking at sprint training and we're making sure that we're not doing anything overly fatiguing before sprint training day the other thing that we've got to um consider here is your rugby training particularly obviously if you're in season that's something we've got to consider if you're in off season it's not as big of a consideration um but we do have to figure out your rugby training so what i like to do is incorporate the like you've got all these different factors now now you've actually got like a a a slate to work with right you've got a schedule where okay now i've got my high fatigue sessions i've got my um, low fatigue sessions, your aerobic work, and I've got the time that I can fit this all in. You can't do it all. You have to accept that. You have to accept that there's always going to be more work that you could theoretically do, and that's okay because you're still going to make improvements. And therefore, you, you know, it's impossible to give you, Matt, your specific schedule, but that's how you would go about creating your own schedule. The only other things I would add, add to consider is you could do some one strength training session before a sprint day, potentially. I've I've changed my mind on this. Usually I'd say um, like sprint training must be done um, completely fresh. It must be done without any weight training the day before. It must be done without like any high intensity training the day before at all you can only do maybe do some aerobic work otherwise could be completely rested before sprint training the reality is that's makes sprint training practically impossible for a lot of people um it also means that you don't get to take advantage of the tuesday rugby session where you're already at a field i like to do the tuesday session because most in-season athletes particularly rugby players are doing tuesday thursday rugby sessions um throughout the week so if you're already going to field on a tuesday then i like to do that sprint training on that tuesday thursday's a little bit too close you you you're then having to sacrifice a lot of work throughout the week um 
in order to get that session in. But Thursday could be an option as well. I just like to do it. I like to do a strength training session on the Mondays, a sprint session on the Tuesday if you need it. And then Wednesday, you can rest before doing a weight session on Thursday. And then you've got uh, another rest day before your game on Saturday. That schedule is is probably the easiest and simplest way you can do in season. Um, but there is a big thing I've missed here, which is the aerobic training. Luckily, the aerobic training almost goes hand in hand with rest uh, because it is so low fatiguing. And it's particularly if you're just doing stuff like, you know, elliptical or if you're, I mean, that's it, elliptical or bike, it's really not fatiguing um, and you'll be fine. Even if, you, if you're good enough at running slow enough, which most people aren't, so that's something to bear in mind, you're going to be fine to, to do low, low intensity zone two aerobic work on any of those other days that I've called rest days. Yes, you can do a low intensity zone two um, training session the day before a rugby game and you would be absolutely fine. Um, you can do it between two heavy strength training sessions. You're going to be absolutely fine. You could do it the day after a rugby game and you'd be absolutely fine. In fact, they do this quite often. And what do they call it? They call it recovery sessions. That's not the way I see it because you're not really enhancing recovery. I mean, yes, you're getting a little bit of blood flow work, but really what you're doing is you're working on your aerobic system. So that's how I would do it. If you, you know, it depends on your schedule, because if you're someone that has two hours on a Monday, but has no time on the Tuesday or, or, you know, you'd have to approach this differently. You'd have to do your aerobics. You could easily do your aerobic work, um, uh, before or after your weight session. You could also do your sprints before your sprint, your, your, uh, weight session. You could also just do your, uh, you could do an aerobic work on Monday, um, like just to, to, shake off the cobwebs and if you had time you could weight train in the morning on tuesday and then do your sprints before your uh, rugby session on tuesday as well and then take all of wednesday off to recover from that real intense session or do aerobic work so many different ways to plan this but i would just make sure that you're not planning high fatigue sessions back to back to back you're prioritizing that aerobic work so you're not seeing that as a rest day and, and sacking it off time and time again which is what most people do you're prioritizing what you're weak at and, and you're going through that schedule um, or you're, you're, you're being realistic with your schedules how far as it comes to doing, like as it fits you and your life, right? Really bloody important. Um, final thing I'd mention on this, I do have something coming out um, that will really focus on this um, and it will be for free. Um, so you'll get access to this if you're on the newsletter at rugby-muscle.com. Um, it is something that I do think is the, probably the biggest struggle for rugby players is, is finding the time to work on all of this stuff. So there'll be a two-week program coming out just introducing you to the rugby muscle method and how I plan on doing things and how you can make it fit your life. So yeah, give that a go. Um, last question. I will... Answer from the YouTube. Yeah, I'm not going to get to the Instagram questions today. Is Alex... Oh, it's cut off this question. There we go. Alex Arthur Atkinson asks, Hi, mate. Just discovered your pod and channel and loving it so far. So thanks. Thank you. Again, if you like, if you do like these videos, you like this podcast, five-star reviews, thumbs up and comments and subscriptions are massive. And also... 
share it with a teammate because you want to have a better you want to have a better team and therefore they want to buy into this stuff um i was wondering about your video addressing the bronco and fitness tests being that rugby and game performance should be the only important yardstick how do you measure a successful performance and progression i've had games where i did my job and played well but we as a team lost the game and adversely had a shocker but ran off because we got the w yeah that's like that is a first off that is a fucking fantastic question really well thought out um and and nuanced and um alex that is like that is the reality of sport or that is you know you can still do everything in your power to prepare for a game do everything right and still lose just because someone's better you could also beat someone that's better by no fault of your own just because they completely cocked it up uh you know but at the end of the day that's that's what sport is about it's about getting as many w's as you can and that's the only important thing now how do you grade that well you grade it with nuance right you grade your own like you want to separate your performance and what you're using to improve your your specific performance and your training in order to achieve that performance on one on one side and you also want to look at the team and getting the w's on the other side reality is when you're one of 30 players on the field there's only so much that you can do um in order to influence a result yeah we spoke a little bit about six nations talk already on this podcast look at sergio parise for more than a decade he was like one of the best eights in the world and he was trying to carry his italy team is he going to just say, oh, I'm, I'm a crap rugby player? No, he's going to say, I'm still doing my work. Is he still going to look for errors to improve? Improve? Absolutely. Um, is he going to look at Ws as the end of the game? No. Uh, as the end of the, the process? No, he's going to still continue to improve. And that's why he's like, guy must be like 40 at this point, And he's still playing at the top level in uh, France. So it's 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 really nuanced. And, and so you, you just have to judge it in a nuanced fashion so uh obviously you know whether you're winning or losing but you want to look back on your game like the only reason you test is not to say right um i've won or i've lost you test in order to figure out the next steps and what's working and what's not working and what you can improve so if you're if you're having you know if you're doing a fitness program with the goal in mind that you're trying to really improve your aerobic capacity. And even though your team starts winning game after game after game, you're still feeling tired at the end or your team starts winning game after game. And you know, you're slightly less tired at the end of the games, but you're not sure if that's because of the fact that you've got fitter or the fact that your team is just smashing it and therefore the games are easier and therefore you don't have to push yourself as hard this is the like why you have to assess and why you have to really figure this stuff out you would look back in this in this specific situation you would then look back over at your overall aerobic training performance so you know have you been able to uh if you're doing runs have you covered more ground in your 40-minute low-intensity runs at that low heart rate? Have you covered the same ground at a lower heart rate? 
you then like if the answer is yes and you have improved you you then know that your aerobic what you are getting fitter and you already know you don't need to test for this you know that aerobic fitness is going to improve your rugby performance so you don't need to worry about that right um same thing for weight on the bar right you don't need to do a one rep max test to know if you're getting stronger right you can just look back over your previous weeks of training and maybe you were doing uh you know, front squats for sets of five at 100 kilos two months ago, and now you're doing front squats for sets of five at 115 kilos, potentially even at an easier RPE, you know you're getting stronger, right? So you know your game's improving. It is really difficult to, like, to put the, you know, to really tease out these nuances and, and figure out, like, how you're getting better. But that's why I say there's no point, like, formal testing doesn't actually do that either right um the only test that matters is how much better you play it's also the same thing for like for sprints particularly right i find that most people um like it's know when they're getting faster you feel it on the pitch you feel yourself improving you feel yourself like beating defenders or just having a little bit more pace when you're carrying or, or being able to catch someone up that's going to tell you more than um, you know, a, a someone holding a stopwatch and pressing a button, and the difference in a, a forty-yard sprint that you're probably never going to do on a rugby pitch, like shows you, because that difference is probably only going to be dictated by when the guy says start and how you react to the start and him pressing the button and when he actually presses the stop button. By the time you finish that sprint, um, unless you've got speed gates, in which case, yeah, you can see measurable improvement. But again, that's that's measurable proven in an exact straight line in controlled conditions. What you want to be doing is improving your, your game speed and how you feel when you're playing the game of rugby. And that's why it's nuanced, but that's why you need to have faith in what you're doing. That's why you need to construct a plan whereby you know, you know, as as with as much faith as possible, what you're doing is going to improve your rugby performance. And so you need to just to improve at what you're doing rather than say, yes. Over time, you want to get more and more and more wins, but you can't control that. What you can control is your own performance to an extent and how you improve that performance. But then even then, right, you, you can't really control your own performance. You can control, you can control how your, your performance potential, your physical conditioning, you can control yourself getting faster and faster and faster, getting stronger, getting fitter. You can control that. How that culminates and manifests itself on a Saturday, maybe you can't control because you can't control the other 29 dudes and how well they play or how much talent the opposition has, all that sort of stuff. But it's a constant process. It's a constant, like each Saturday is your, is your measuring stick, not necessarily just for the win or the loss, but ultimately that's the most important thing but also for how you perform, how you prepare mentally, physically, and how you go about improving. And the reality is, and the cool thing about it is, every single week, every single month, every single year, you aim to continually, continually improve. As you get older, physically, a lot of people will see a decline, maybe like after like 35, or depending on how much cumulative injuries you, you, you pick up, but mentally, 
you should be able to read the game better and better and better, make tactically better and better decisions. Plus, you've got more repetition of the skills that you're doing. So, therefore, you should be getting better at those things. And therefore, all you have to do is make sure that you're treading water physically and being okay, and your games should improve. But, you know, it depends. It all depends upon the other 29 dudes. So, it's it's hard, but it's fun. And... It's a process that never finishes. So without really answering that question, I've answered that question. That leaves me with no more questions. Thank you guys. Thank you everyone that's watched on this live feed. I will pull the audio and get it posted on the podcasts. If you've made it to the end and you haven't given us a thumbs up or left a comment, please do so now on the YouTube channel. And if you have made it all the way to the end of the podcast, please rate the podcast. It does help out so much. Other than that, thank you guys so much for watching and listening. I'll see you in the next one.